fear the old blood this week on the podcast we're talking bloodborne Sam. Hey guys. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thanks. I'm uh, excited to be here. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts from. Follow us on the Twitter machine at It's So Bad Pod. It's So Bad Pod at gmail.com is the email address. Um, right at the top, I should mention to everybody, we will be doing a re ranking uh, episode at some point in the near future. If you have any comments on our list. If you want to send us um, your hate mail about why Contra Hardcore is so low on this list, which doesn't really make any sense, and that will be rectified probably on the re-ranking, um, uh, then you can send coming us out, an email. Coming out big for Contra. Wow, okay. All right. I'm like, putting all your cards on the table right here up front. I see how it's going to be. All right. It's so bad pod at gmail.com is the email address. We want your comments. We want you to argue for any particular game on our list. And also, if you want to send us your recommendations, send us recommendations of games we're missing. There are a lot of them, we know, but we will prioritize based upon how you send in your your requests. But yes, this week we are talking about the game known as Bloodborne. We are adding it to our endless list, which currently goes from number one, Super Mario 64, all the way down to number 122, Home Alone, for the Sega Genesis um, and this is our 123rd entry. Last week, what did we add? Bart Simpson versus the Space Mutants at number 120. And this week, yes, uh, Bloodborne. Steve, kind of a lot of to... yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll take us into the Bloodborne world here, and I would just like to say that a little bit of overlap with uh, Bart versus the Space Mutants in terms of of where this game goes. Um, but yeah, this is a game that's an action RPG uh, created by FromSoft. So it's if you've played Dark Souls or any of the other FromSoft games, it's it's right up right up that alley. Um, and yeah, it came out in 2015, and it was a game that you know I, I I've said this before on the pod, but didn't have a PlayStation for the longest time. I have a PS5 now, and I'd wanted to play this game since it came out. Looked very cool. I was into like kind of the gothic eldritch horror HP Lovecraft vibes uh, that it was putting out there. And and even though I was not like you know the biggest like Dark Souls fan or anything like that, like this this game kind of stood out to me. So subsequently played some Dark Souls and some other FromSoft games, and then got the PS5 and and jumped into this and was just like. This game's awesome. I'm I'm super into this, um, and I know like a couple other people, like Mike, you had been playing this previously too. Um, so we were we were talking about this game a little bit, and it was just kind of in the air. So it seemed like a good a good podcast game. Sam, you've played this game before your most recent playthrough, or is this your first time playing through? Uh, this is my first time playing it. Actually, um, I also didn't have a PlayStation Four, and um, yeah, as soon as I got the PS Five, it was like you know high on the list to play. Um, I had previously seen it played through, uh, you know, I was walking and I saw someone playing it in their apartment. I was outside and I uh, stopped for like 10 seconds, which is probably as long as you could do that move for and watch someone <laughs> play it. That's pretty much my experience. That's funny. I, I do, um, I've done that too, though. You see people, especially when they have like giant TVs and you're walking by the window and you're like, oh, are they gaming? What are they, what are they playing? Oh, they're playing Halo? Okay, cool, cool, cool. And you just keep on going. And then you're like, yep, I may have been spying on somebody in their home, but cool they're gaming um so you steve have uh recently not only played bloodborne but you are a fucking madman when it comes to these from software games yeah I've, i may uh, have gone off the deep end in the pandemic <laughs> a little bit with these um yeah steve, yeah i played in the last what? six months you've played through every one of them including dark souls one uh, twice, I believe, correct? <laughs> I have now played Dark Souls 1 twice, Dark Souls 3 twice, Bloodborne twice, and I just started up Demon Souls for the second time again as well. So, My God. Uh, did you, you played Dark Souls 2, though, didn't you? I did. I played Dark Souls 2 in there as well, but just the one time. Only once, right? It only, <laughs> only needs one time. Uh, not my favorite one. And then I played Sekiro uh, a, bunch, a few years ago, and that was kind of what got me. Like, I, I had a long time ago played the original Dark Souls, and in 
famously among our friends did not did not enjoy it and had a rough entry to it and so i played sekiro and that was kind of my window into fromsoft but even though like in the back of my head like i knew i knew bloodborne seemed cool so i was like all right you know like i, I feel like i just got to put some time into these games and the pandemic provided the perfect opportunity we also have our friend jeremy who is like a FromSoft Dark Souls lore like encyclopedia, and so I was streaming these games, and he was like talking me through it as we were playing. And Sam was on the stream too, watching, and then started playing as well. So it kind of it kind of took on a life of its own over the course of the pandemic. Yeah, I I played Dark Souls three for that was the first one I played back in like 2017 was the first game that I played, and then I played Dark Souls one um, at the start of the pandemic uh, when I was stuck in my home. Um, for a lot of the time, just with my, at the time, like one and a half year old son, um, who s- did three hour naps, which was pretty sweet. Get in like a daily three hour dose of Dark Souls one on my switch. I laid it on switch and yeah, that's weird. The, the, my arc with these games is funny though. Like Dark Souls three, I think I cruised through, but Dark Souls one, like I, and same thing with Bloodborne. I like started the game. I wasn't feeling it played through like three or four bosses put it down and then came back to it. And I was just like, I'm, this game is awesome. I love this game. Um, and I got hooked on the second pass and that happened twice. I happened with dark souls and with bloodborne. Um, I don't understand why, but it did. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's really weird with these games, like depending on your build and just your overall kind of play style, um, people get stuck at different parts. Like, um, dark souls one, the capper demon. I just almost gave up. Yeah, so that's um, where I, uh, I don't know if uh, is that where I got stuck. It might have been. I feel like you rat- said. I feel like you said it was the Capra Demon too. Yeah. Yeah. Capra Demon's fucking stupid. <laughs> it's just a bad boss. It's but really then- tight. The geometry in the room you can get hung up on, and they have that extra dog that is just the pain in the fucking ass. And can two dogs. Th- yeah, it comes through the uh, the gray fog door when you first get there, can be there immediately and wipe you instantly. It just sucks. <laughs> that's like, the sh- I think that's the shittiest boss in all of Dark Souls, in all of the Souls games, for me personally. See, but then I beat that boss in like four tries. But then like, there's other bosses that I'm sure that you guys have gone through. And this is true of Bloodborne too. It's like, everybody has like, the boss that kicked their ass the most. And just like, when I was replaying this bloodborne again i like i got to that boss again and i was like oh god maybe this time i'll be better because you know you play you're much faster when you play these the second time you knew where to go you know the play style and everything and uh yeah that same boss kicked my ass absolutely just like couldn't get over it just like had like a mental hang-up of getting past this one impossible boss for me what's the what was the impossible boss for bloodborne it was uh abritus daughter of the cosmos is that what it oh, is really just I just yeah yeah just kick my ass like so many times and the first time although actually i did a little bit of the dlc this time and there were some some bosses that uh that that rivaled abritus in terms of their frustration for me for me in this game i think the only one i really had a lot of trouble with um garman was really tough but i like i just was like one day night i was like i'm gonna beat him and it took me like maybe like 30 tries but i finally fucking beat him um but bloodstar beast was like a big fucking time suck for me in this game oh yeah that was probably the first really hard one that i got stuck on my first playthrough that was that was a tough one i had some I had some tough losses you get them down to like two percent health and then you get like one shot at or something and you're just like why do i play these games what, what am yeah. i doing with myself He's Th- also... that's exactly why you play these games like <laughs> that's the best part <laughs> yeah exactly then i immediately fired it back up and ran back in there so this game was made by From Software, uh, otherwise known as FromSoft, published by Sony Computer Entertainment, directed by Hidetaki Miyazaki, um, released in 2015, uh, which was right after Dark Souls 2, which came out in 2014, which I, I didn't realize they were that close, but they were like one year right, right after another with these games. Yeah, and then Dark Souls 3 came out in 2016, right after that, too. They were like, they're cranking these things out. And now we're like, where... I guess Sekiro came out in, what was it, 2019? But yeah. we're like, where the fuck is Elden Ring? Where is it? Um, but we'll get we'll touch on that. Came out 2015. Same year as Metal Gear Solid 5, The Witcher 3, Undertale, Fallout 4, Ori and the Blind Forest, Halo 5, Super Mario Maker, Life is Strange, Rocket League, Splatoon. All the big games from that year. Um, some good ones in there. Steve, I know you're a big fan of The Witcher 3. Love, I think... 
2015. It comes. This has come up a couple of times. That was a that was like a banner year for gaming in in the world of Steve Church. Um, yeah, <laughs> big ones there. Love love Rocket League. Love love Witcher Three. Have come to love Bloodborne now. So and yeah. did you say Alien Isolation? No, that was the year before. That was the year um, before. No, I think it was even was it even earlier than that? Because it was a PS3 game, wasn't it? Alien Isolation. Uh, I'm not sure. I thought it was 14, but I don't know. I played it on Xbox One originally, so I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, 2014. You're right. Um, but yeah, that was like a cross-generation game. But yeah, so this game came out 2014, 2015 um, on the PS4, PS4 exclusive, still only on PS4. Maybe we'll get a PC port someday. Maybe we'll get a, a PS5 port. <laughs> That'd be great. Um, but yeah, it's only on the PS4 right now. Um, yeah, so Miyazaki, the director for this game, he started in the games industry at the tender age of 29. I didn't realize that in like at like the turn of the century in like 2000 he started working on armored armored core games for FromSoft which wasn't a uh, well-known publisher at or developer at the time. Had, did you guys ever play Armored Core or any of the From Software games before they made Dark Souls games exclusively? <laughs> Just the Dark Souls ones. Yeah, yeah. I, I know of Armored Core but never played them. No. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I've always been interested in them. But also, they made games like Kingsfield, which was like the proto um, Dark Souls as well. It was like a, a first person perspective, kind of like it, it, the interface kind of reminds me of like the, uh, what do you call those? The Elder Scrolls games. But it's like definitely like the dark style of the uh, Dark Souls games, as opposed the to like little, the bright. Yeah, the, the, dark, the dark fantasy, the like kind of gothic like i don't know hell demon horror that is in a fantasy world yeah you know you know another game that uh from software made i don't know if you guys know the game uh, metal wolf chaos have you ever heard of that game no never never so metal wolf chaos well you guys should go look it up after this because the plot of it is that the vice president of the united states stages a coup against the president of the united states um and the president then has to get in his mech and defend the country from the takeover of the vice president of the United States. Is this the plot of Metal Gear Solid 2 Sons of Liberty? That's what it sounds like. <laughs> um, actually, it was like three years after Metal Gear Solid 2, so that's funny. I never even thought of that. But yes, uh, Miyazaki, he worked on Armored Core, would go on to make Demon Souls. Um, this game was originally known as Project Beast. Um, there are a lot of people think that this game was originally a Demon Souls 2 um, because of a couple things. The way the levels are designed, I guess, is I haven't played Demon Souls yet, but I guess because of the way the levels are designed was is evocative of Demon Souls and also um, the whole blood vials as opposed to Estus Flask is evocative that's, of the that's, green shrubbery shit. You yeah, eat. that's definitely true. It's it's funny to think of it as Demon Souls though, because Demon Souls is like so like slow and methodical compared to the Bloodborne combat. But I kind of see what they're saying because like the, I mean definitely the health like the blood vials and like the little herbs that you eat in Demon Souls those are similar as opposed to like the Estus flasks and in Dark Souls which like every time you respawn they like replenish but you have a smaller number of them where like you know the leaves and the blood vials you can have like tons and tons of them but they don't respawn you have like a set number that you're working with uh that you can add or, or lose but i guess with like the lamps compared to like the the arch stones which are the bonfires basically in in dark souls it they're not i don't know i guess like they're kind of like in the beginning of an area and there's one and you kind of like explore the area and you keep coming back to this one area and you or this one bonfire let's just call it the lamp and, and bloodborne um and so like it's not I, I guess like dark souls like i guess it's a little bit more like there'll be a series of them as you work through an area that you can that are kind of safe spots but here there are just fewer um and like the the levels built around them yeah and i think also bloodborne um they're just the levels are kind of shorter compared to some of the the two dark souls games that i've played so like the path from the bonfire to the to the land to the um boss is just shorter distance overall i feel like this game is much more tighter and it's much more of like a boss rushy as opposed to like a dark souls 3 or a dark souls 1 i yeah. agree with that there's like there's a ton of bosses in bloodborne um you can kind of just like crank through them which is nice yeah 
Um, this game was aesthetic is inspired by Victorian Gothic arch architecture, but also the architecture of Romania and the Czech Republic. I guess the team went there to like look at the architecture and like take pictures and then use that in their game as like their aesthetic choice, which was interesting. Of course, this is inspired by H.P. Lovecraft Craft and the Cthulhu mythos, as well as I was looking into this. Dracula and Van Helsing were a big um, influence on this as well. All the classic gothic horror uh, greats kind of factor into this game. This is very, and like, yeah, Eastern Europe, of course, too, like Transylvania, Romania. Um, yeah, it definitely has that kind of Eastern European, like, say, late 1700s, early 1800s kind of vibe. But it's like a fantasy world, too, but it's got, like, more advanced technology and kind of arcane magic and, like, this blood healing that's going on through through the land of Yarnum. So it's definitely like got some like kind of like sci-fi horror medicine, medical vibes to it. That, um, the Dracula inspiration, um, lends credence to my theory that this is just a Castlevania game. It does, does feel very Castlevania. Does, and I remember us talking about that when we played Castlevania too, like the similarities to dark souls, these games kind right. of feed off each other. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, they even there's a fucking whip in this game. You can whip people, and I think you did, right, Steve? In your oh, last I used game? it. I used it. Yeah, this time around, the threaded cane. It's like a like a solid cane that you can smack people with, and then it breaks up into little parts and turns into like a, a sword whip. It's pretty sweet. Ooh. You can't play. jump in Bloodborne though. There's no platforming. No platforming for the best. Well, uh, a little bit of platforming. Can, you can jump. They have jump in this. Slate. Slight controlled jumps you can do. There's a little yeah. bit of platforming. Yeah. I I hate platforming in these games. Terrible. So good. <laughs> um, yeah, so this game, narration is delivered the same way as Dark Souls games. There's very little of it, but there's a lot of it, <laughs> I think is a good way to describe it. So, like, there is, you will find on YouTube, like, three-hour-long lore videos, but they don't give you exposition dumps in the game at all. All they do is give you these small, short notes, and items have descriptions on them, and some NPCs tell, like, little stories that never last beyond, like, uh, a minute of dialogue, really. And then there's visual storytelling. Visual storytelling is, like, huge in these games. So, um, I thought that aspect of it was pretty cool, especially because the whole game is centered around you going to this place called Yarnum. Uh, Yarnum has these this blood that they use to treat people who are have sicknesses, and more people who use the blood, they turn and start turning into like werewolf type things. And throughout the game, especially the early going of the game, you see people who are slowly losing their mind. You see people that are slowly becoming. Um, the werewolves you see actual werewolves so uh i thought that was pretty fucking sweet i liked that um you also hear people like through the windows that you can talk to um especially in the beginning of the game yeah kind of adds like it make, just makes the world more full like uh in all the dark souls games mm -hmm. you don't really see that you just see your you know handful of npcs and that's kind of it but it, yeah. it really feels like a world bloodborne yeah, and also in Dark Souls games, like there are, ch there's a chance that you will never, you'll never come across an. Well, you might come across one NPC, but like continuing that quest line is so fucking difficult. So it's nice to have like people in set places that just kind of talk to you throughout the game and be like, "Hey, what's up?" So. Yeah, I think I think that kind of talks to like the the fact that Bloodborne's a little bit more of a focused game, and they do like a little bit more characterization, and there's a little bit more of a story than than just like the really lore heavy like Dark Souls games. Even though there's a story in those too, it's like I don't know, ten percent more or five percent more in this, but they do try to like make it feel like a lived in world a little bit more, which makes sense because in Dark Souls you're like kind of like in the apocalypse of whatever world you're in. Um, I guess that's kind of true in Bloodborne too, but you're like in this this hunt that seems to like keep you know rising up every whatever full moon or whatever however many years, and like these hunters go out into the town and they start you know slaying beasts and monsters, and some of the townspeople rise up with them, and then some of them turn into to beasts, and like there's this kind of like eerie night of hunting that goes on all through Yarnum, and so you kind of experience this this time, but this one feels like the final final hunt, like this is like the great hunt or something, and you're this foreigner who comes into Yarnum, and then basically like the only direction you get you know you, you you pick up the lore like you were saying as you read through the items and such and in characters some npcs 
uh, encounter some NPCs. But aside from that, like all you need to know is like, okay, I just gotta like go forward and like find the boss and beat the boss and get the lamp in this area and keep moving. And you kind of just like explore Yarnum that way. You know, it's like kind of okay. Now I'm in this area. Let me poke around every corner, find every secret I can, figure out what enemies are in here, find the boss, and then it's on to the next area. And that's just kind of that's the main way the story is delivered for the most part. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of lore in this game. Um, how much do you guys know about <laughs> the lore in this game? So much. <laughs> yeah, I I should know more, know more. I know the gist of it, uh, but like my gist of it is like how my eight, eight year old niece would probably explain it to me. Yeah, how uh, I just explained it, if you will. <laughs> Yeah, there's so, a lot yeah. of there's a lot of like you said, there's a lot of lore deep dives on the internet. So like, you know, you pick up some of the story as you play through and then you go watch like a a couple of twenty minute or thirty minute videos and you're like, Oh wow, I had no idea about any of that or mm -hmm. who this character is or like this backstory and then you piece it together and so like for me I played it again and I like knew this story as I was playing through and it's like, Oh, now I see how they're telling the story. Like now I can see what these threads are. But it's really hard unless you like spend the time to really connect the dots. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, yeah. I feel like they're really strong about um, mentioning locations in Bloodborne compared to the other or the Dark Souls games, uh, like you you keep hearing about Bergenworth like throughout the game, and then you finally get to go there, and you know it really feels like it led up to that moment, and you're like, oh cool, like here's where a bunch of shit happens or happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, essentially, what happened was there were humans. They uh, were excavating like these tombs underneath the city called Yarnum. In the tombs, they discovered uh, these things called, or they had evidence, I guess, of great ones, or were there bodies down there or something? They started finding bl old blood from, which was, I guess, from great ones, and they brought it to the surface, and the old blood would um, heal people of all these illnesses, which is why people came from all around to Yarnum to, uh, to get the get the blood but what ended up happening is there was a disease called ashen blood which may or may not be caused by some other actors in this game um and that precipitated people turning into werewolves um and then everything got crazy they burned a part of the city at one point that's correct i believe mm -hmm. yep old yarnum they, they like kind of sealed it off from from the rest of yarnum um and then, like, yeah, what you were talking about, Sam, like, Bergenworth, like, when they find these mm -hmm. these artifacts of, like, these, you know, ancient alien creatures under the ground, there's there's this guy, I forget what his name is, is it Master Willem or something? Willem, yeah. 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 And he is, like, pretty much, like, the head of this, this university, and they're studying the blood and these creatures, and he is of the mind that, like, oh, we need this, we need insight, whatever, you know, which is, like, a resource in the game, and it kind of makes you see, like, the truth beyond the truth of, like, the horror, the cosmic horror behind it all. And so he's very intent on, like, we need more insight to understand this. And his protege is, like, no, the healing blood is the way. Like, we need to use blood to, like, transform ourselves and, you know, ascend to the level of the gods, basically. And they have this split, and then his protege goes and forms, like, this this healing church that becomes the center of all like Yarnum's power and and influence and of course it's like rotting the city from the inside out and then there's like these splinter groups that go off and everyone has their own kind of their own path to like how do we become like the great ones you know these great yeah. like like Cthulhu like these great beasts from beyond yeah and so you have Lawrence who's the first Viker who founds the healing church healing church has the choir which is the people who did research and made contact with the great ones um, and you can't I don't think in originally in the game they couldn't see or weren't on the level like the same cosmic plane as the great ones so they couldn't necessarily see see them so they want to make contact with them and this is very Cthulhu mythos type shit that's happening but yeah, and then they have the School of Mensis, which is a which is headed by Mikolash, and uh, they're a splinter group, and they also have their own goals, um, and they attempt these rituals that brings the school into a nightmare and makes everybody go insane. And then there's the hunters, who are um, I don't know where the hunters come from. Are they originally from the Healing Church? I think they're from the church. Yeah, yeah. There, there's uh, the church workshop is a location you can go to. Oh, that's right, and that's where they're based. Yeah, there's that's where some, he originally there's, was based. Yeah, there's some sort of split with the hunters, where like there were like original hunters, the old hunters, and then there were like kind of like weaker new hunters, and like things kind of deteriorated over time. But yeah, they worked 
they I think they primarily worked for the church or like were just like regular people just trying to survive in the city. Um, yeah, and then like the the school mentors, they're like the guys who wear those giant cages on their heads, which are pretty pretty sweet, and they basically like rip a hole through like the fabric of reality and travel into the nightmare and like make contact with the aliens, the great ones. And like, it all starts spilling into Yarnum. And so eventually like in the game, you know, you kind of, you become aware of all this because it starts off as like, as like a hunt and you don't really know what's going on. And the next thing you know, you're dealing with like aliens from beyond. Yeah. It's pretty fucking wild. <laughs> it's pretty, yep. pretty uh, wild stuff. Yeah. You have to kill a spider who's hiding the true nature of the world. You have to let the blood moon rise. You have to then uh, try to avoid the gaze of the things that are on the outside the of buildings. Amygdala. Now. Amygdala. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a lot happening in this game. And then but you're yes. like, you're encountering all those like NPCs too, who are like other hunters or other like townspeople who are just trying to survive the night or like have their own objectives of what they're doing on the night of the hunt too, which is kind of cool. It gives a little bit like of a little context for what the world is like. Oh, I thought they all were going mad. That was my take on the, the like other hunters that were hunting oh, you. They, they basically are. Yeah, for sure. Like everyone's kind of losing their shit and, you know, either turning evil or being, you know, driven with bloodlust or something or losing their minds like everybody's everybody's on the edge there's a real doll who you talk to to uh, level up oh yeah oh yeah the doll that you talk to all the time yeah so there's a doll there's a hunter's dream is where garman is based after the a healing church workshop burns to the ground which you can walk through where the workshop was it's that like uh circular tower that you have to like platform around yeah, you find it. And it's like the exact replica of like, it's your Firelink Shrine, you know, from Dark Souls in this one. It's like your home base. Right. And you realize it's like a dream version of a real place. Right. Um, and yeah, so Garman is there who's perpetuating the hunt for reasons that will be discovered um, in this game, maybe if you do the right things. Uh, but he's there and he's the first hunter and he's like cheering you on, maybe. 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 Maybe, maybe sending you off to endless killing in the night of Yarnum during the hunt. But yeah, so this is a, this is a FromSoft game. So, um, you know, these games are um, known for, they're going to punish you if you button mash. Let's just say that. And if you get greedy, you're going to have a bad time. Um, that's what these games are. Um, so they can be tiring. They can be exhausting. But when you finally break through and beat something, my God, are they rewarding. Yeah, these are these are challenging games for sure. I mean, like that's why I bounced off Dark Souls originally is that like somebody you know described it to me as like uh, Skyrim, and I went in with that kind of mentality, and I was like, oh my god, this is so challenging. You have to be so like kind of deliberate and precise and cautious with how you play, and you have to like get this rhythm down that like you know it's 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 a steep learning curve, and so you know, and then, like we were talking about like the hardest bosses too. Like there are parts of this game that are just going to be like unless you decide I'm going to get good at this game. It just the game will be like, nope, see you later. Go play something else. This is too hard for you. <laughs> yeah, I so I've taken the tact and I did this starting Dark Souls. I think I mentioned this before is like if I get stuck on a boss, what I end up doing is I'll do a run, then I'll grind a level, then I'll do a run, and then I'll grind a level. Because at least if I'm doing that, I feel like I'm doing a little bit of progress. But you can still level up and eventually get to a point where you're going to be the boss in all of these games. So I think that's always good to have in the background yeah and there's always like they liking you know there's a co-op element to these games too so you can like summon an npc or if there was a more active player base you could summon another player into bloodborne 2 to help you out you see them once in a while when you're in the game but like if you get stuck that's like another little thing to help you out it's like oh you know you can bring in another guy and he'll help you beat this boss yeah so by the way too uh yeah so i was playing this on ps5 and i don't know if they have like i don't i feel like when i played on ps4 there was a lot more people that helped me uh, but when I played on PS5, uh, there wasn't a lot. And I wonder if they're segregating their player base between people on PS5s and people on PS4. Oh, yeah, that's a, a good question. I saw maybe I summoned two people, I think, throughout my run. Um, yeah, kind of helpful, helpful to do. Yeah, especially when you're like really stuck on somebody. I um, I also liked in this game, and maybe it's just because I haven't been following a lot of NPC quest lines in the other Dark Souls games, but in this game, there was a ton of NPCs. Like, almost every boss had NPCs that you could summon as well. 
Yeah, there was usually maybe a couple instances that didn't have them, but there was usually like a guy you could summon, which was kind of a double-edged sword because it makes the boss a little harder too. So sometimes you'd summon a guy and they'd like get destroyed immediately or like halfway through and you're like, well, now I have to fight a boss that's like twice as strong as me and has twice the health that he would otherwise. But uh, okay, thanks NPC for dying on me. What were so um, uh, so things that I had just in terms of the bosses? There are like I think what is it? What I'm looking at here, counting eleven mainline bosses, and then there's the uh, there's like side bosses, or maybe there's eleven bosses total. No, this is all the bosses. There no, must I think be there's more. This, there must no, be more. This, this doesn't have uh, like the spider. I think I'm looking at the same thing you are, like with the great ones, the, f- the extra life one. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's more than that. Oh, because there's like uh, other ones. But anyways, what what um, bosses did you guys have the hardest difficulty with? Uh, I thought Amygdala was really tough, one of the optional bosses. Um, I think he just had a lot of range to his attacks and like kind of jab you. Um, yeah. Hard to hit, like very lanky. Yeah. I, I didn't have that much problem with him, but I think I like figured out like I also was using, um, like, what's that, Ludwig's sword, which is like a heavy sword that has reach. So I could just punch him from the ground, even. So it was cool. Yeah, I was using the the threaded cane, which was not, it was like a medium to short range weapon. Um, and so, like, yeah, I said I, I, I had trouble with the Breedus. Um, Garman is, is definitely a challenge. I don't feel like he's not the hardest one in the game, but he gives you a good fight at the end. Um and then who's the other one? Um, the guy at Castle Kanehurst, he was a tough one too. Oh, oh yeah, Lagarius. Yeah, Lagarius. But but he's... both him and German are are very fair, I think. Um, like they have a, they, they both you know you can see what their attacks are going to be. Um, they're just you have to be perfect playing against them, basically. Yeah, yeah, and they're I'll like more that. they're like more kind of like human based enemies too. Like I mean. Uh, Ligarius can fly around and such. I guess Skirman can too a little bit. Um, but yeah, I feel like the ones that sometimes really I really struggle with are like the really really big fast guys that do like a spin around move that can one shot you. That's what like because yeah. it's like so much of the boss fights is positioning. It's like okay, if I get into this one spot when he does this one thing, I'll be okay. And then there'll be like a new move that you don't anticipate that can just one shot you. So those were those were always the guys I struggled with. Yeah, I think I had I struggled with Bloodstarved Beast. I struggled struggled with a little bit with Shadow of Yarnum. They're a fucking pain in the ass. Three guys that you have to yep. fight. Um, Rom was really difficult for me, and then um, I think the only other one was Garman. Logarius a little bit too. Oh yeah, Rom was Rom was definitely tough my first playthrough. I had to I had to cheese him, and I don't know how I did it, but if you stand to the, like, left of him, he, like, when he tries to spin around to go to the next phase, you can stop him if you hit him at the right time, so I just kept him in the, in his first phase, he doesn't really attack you either, so I just kept him in the first phase throughout the entire fight, and that's how I beat him. I was like, oh, I'll take it. It was, like, my 30th time. I'm like, yeah, I'll take the cheese. Sometimes, I thought Rom was really take easy. Like, for whatever reason, his little minions didn't bother me at all. Um, weird. Yeah, like we were saying, everybody has difficulty. Like all the big ones, all most of the big ones that were like spindly, like um, the One Reborn and Eberdas, and uh, even like Murgo's Wet Nurse. Those the ones that have like a bigger presence. Uh, I had no no problem with. I did so, you know, just each to each his own. To each his own, exactly. Yeah. Um... Yeah, there are some, but there are some very cool boss fights in here too. Like I remember you were saying, like, oh, Mikolash is like one of the easiest boss fights, like in all of Dark Souls or FromSoft yeah. games, which is probably true. He's not the most like intimidating guy, but he's like kind of got like a cool kind of set piece, um, like race, like chase him type boss fight, which I thought was fun. And there are some other cool. You know, there's a lot of like beastly type bosses in this game because it's Bloodborne and everything's a fucking beast. Um, but there are some cool like optional areas and like trick bosses, and I, I like the gimmick bosses. I think that's that's a little bit of uh, Demon Souls too. There's a lot of gimmick bosses in Demon mm-hmm. Souls. Yeah. So um, we talked about uh, we didn't talk about one of the differences with this game compared to the Dark Souls games is that you're basically rewarded if you're more aggressive so if somebody hits you and you hit them back you recover hp and i think that encourages you to keep um on the attack rather in dark souls when you're like waiting with a shield to parry so i i liked this game for that reason um i think it 
when I play Dark Souls games, I'm typically like a rogue type builds where I'm just super fast and hit really fast. So this game naturally just lended itself to that style. So I was pretty pumped about that. I enjoyed that. I like that too. And it lets you um, take on like groups of enemies a little bit more aggressively than you normally would too, because you don't get punished as hard when you get hit. Yeah. Yes, indeed. And then there's visceral attacks. So I still play through this whole game. I, I kind of get visceral attacks, but I don't. So if you charge up your um, weapon and you hit an opponent in the, or an enemy in the right spot, they like get stunned. Is that what, how it works? It's so yeah. There's no there's no shields in this game. Instead, you get guns. And so like in Dark Souls, you'd be able to like you know parry somebody. And this it's like a gun parry. So you have to hit them basically right at the point oh, when they're about well, to attack. Yeah, and you don't have to. You don't have to use the gun though. There's sometimes you can stun yeah, them just by charging true. up your main weapon. That's true. Yeah, there's certain ways you can hit them. Like I think if you hit them right in the back with a charge up attack, you can do it. Some bosses will have like breakable limbs that will stun them as well when you're hitting them. Right. Um, yeah, and then you just like run in and basically like punch a hole in their chest and like rip out their heart and they do a dun- do a, d- a ton of damage to them. Yeah. So uh, this is this game. Um, a couple things. I want to talk about before we get into the ranking. Um, so Bloodborne, Demon Souls, uh, and Dark Souls. So mainly Demon Souls and Dark Souls, I should say. I don't know if you guys know this, but in like the mid to late OOs, the aughts, they, um, the Japanese gaming development market was like in shambles. Uh, there wasn't a lot of games that came out of Japan at that point. Um, and Demon Souls and Dark Souls were like basically helped to revive Japanese game development. Um, and brought back life and people got interested in that that scene again because like when demon souls came out it never even was supposed to come here but it because it sold so poorly but word of mouth spread and there was like like a campaign to get a cut to come over here and they localized it and it just took off so um i thought that's pretty interesting and something to factor into the legacy of this game i know it's not the game that did it but it's this whole team is just part of that legacy of bringing back games from their your downfall in the mid to late OOs. Uh, I did not know that, but um, you touched on something else that I think is worth talking about these games. Um, as far as community goes, like the lore is so obtuse and the NPC quests are so hard to do that it actually adds a lot to the community because you get people talking to each other to try to figure out you know, how to progress the storylines and how to do certain things, how to find certain items. And I think that's like really important in these games as well. Which is a great point, and I think leads into kind of the endings in this game. And like, I'm trying to figure out how people figured out um, the, what do you call it? The umbilical cords that you need to get the true ending of this game. <laughs> like, people dicked around this game a while to figure that out, I would imagine. So many things in these games where it's like, oh, well, you have to go talk to this person, but you can't talk to this other person first. Then you have to go to this one area, and there's a secret room in the back, and there's an item there, and you have to eat that item, and then you go and get another item, and then you go back to the original person, and then this whole like new quest line opens up that you've never done before. And it's so yep. it's so hard to like actually parse that together. Like I totally agree. Like the fact that like people like went online and like compiled all this lore and all these tips and these walkthroughs and these, these ideas about the game. Like it was like a collective effort to beat these games and, and like uncover all their secrets the whole way through. And that's why I bounced off team uh, dark souls so hard the first time I was like, it had just come out. There was, I didn't have the same like sense of community and I was just like expecting the game to like tell me what to do and show me what to do and everything to be very clear. And it totally wasn't. And it was like only when I had, you know, a couple of friends that were like, Oh, I've played it. It's really fun. Like here, let me walk you through a little bit about like what you're supposed to do here and this cool thing over here and this cool weapon over there. And here's how you beat this boss. And like, it definitely became like a social activity basically to, to play these games. Yeah pretty fun it's a pretty fun community um but yeah so the umbilical cords for the endings three different endings in this game if you don't want to know about the endings skip fast forward like a minute or two but um you have to get three umbilical cords to uh really get the final ending so there's three endings the first ending is if you the garman who was the first hunter ends up being the final boss um and for reasons unknown if you go up to him and he says i can waken you from the nightmare he slices off your head you wake up i haven't seen that ending um but you wake up and you're in normal yarnum 
No, second ending is you reject his offer um, and Garman, you fight Garman and you beat him. And then what happens? He, you become Garman, right? Yeah, there's this uh, moon, yeah. there's this moon presence, this like uh, great one that comes down from the moon that's over the dream, and he lands, and then like something happens, and you become the new Garman. Basically, you're the you're the new hunter overseeing the dream. Yeah, and then the third ending, if you get three umbilical cords, there's four in the game. I think is that correct? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So if you get three umbilical cords and you eat them before you face Garman. Uh, if you beat Garman, then Moon Presence arrives, and it's basically Alien from the movie Aliens. That's what it looked like to me. Although I think it's made out of human body parts. Um, yeah, it's got that Alien vibe to it, for sure. Yeah, and it comes down, you have to beat it, and once you do that, you, it is um, in, uh, what do you call that? Intimated that you are become a great one. Uh, like a newborn great one and you take over and i thought like when i first got heard that ending i was like so is that a good ending is that a bad ending and then i read up on it and from what i understand is the moon presence was controlling garman to make him send hunters in to take out the other great ones because the moon presence wanted to be the ultimate great one so when you killed all of the great ones plus the moon presence you become the benevolent uh maybe great one and the the nightmare ends yeah, and then the little animated doll picks up your little like squid baby body and is like oh hello little squid baby and then that's the end of the game and you become a great yeah. one and if if i didn't just explain that to you you would not understand just by playing this video game no the, so. the ending it, it just kind of happens and you're done and like you go about your day uh, right yeah <laughs> It's not like the grand, uh, what is it, Dark Souls 3, when they like give you the option of lighting the flame or not lighting the flame, and it's like, oh, what's going to happen now? And like, you know, it's just like, the end, he died, It's you kind take of, over. It's kind, of yeah. the it's kind of the same, though. It's like the cycle perpetuates itself a little bit, and uh, you either die or become the new thing, or the new lord of darkness, whatever. It's all, it's all kind of similar. Yeah, Dick, Dick Smith McPoopy Farts is now the great, the great one reborn what a name what a name <laughs> um but yes what's next from FromSoft? elden ring coming out we're gonna get bloodborne too is that gonna happen man Probably i hope not. so i hope so but yeah i don't, I don't think know. it'll happen though i don't know yeah it's not happening anytime soon yeah i i hope so i hope they pay them and just give them that money let's go bloodborne i mean they uh, could give me a ton of money and i i can make it if if they want I wonder if it's in development though. Now that Elden Ring should be out at some point, relatively soon, I would imagine, within the next year. So I wonder if they're actively working on Bloodborne Two, or if that's even a thing. Well, yet. And then they keep talking about remastering Bloodborne potentially. And now you got yeah. this 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 uh, Bloodborne demake, the PS One like fan project version that's circulating online, uh, online, and people are like, "Fuck it, like I'll take that. Like just give us more Bloodborne, something new, please. Thank you." So yes, now is a good time to talk about our ranking. It goes from number one, Super Mario 64, to number 122, Home Alone for the Sega Genesis. Um, I think this is a very good game, off the top. I think this is a top echelon game for our list. Um, I don't know what the top echelon actually means, but we can talk about it. Um, this game is, I think, one of the best, and I don't think I think it's undisputed. It's one of the best games from the previous generation. Now that we're in the PS5 era, um, it's very critically acclaimed. So, I would like to put it near the top of the list. Where do you guys? What's your intro? Intra, your starting position? Like top twenty-five to start. I think it's even higher than that. I, don't, I think it's like a better game than Red Dead Redemption, for example. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I feel like this is this game goes towards the top of the list. Um, yeah, easily a top twenty-five game. Uh, Red Dead Redemption's at eighteen. I think it's. I love Red Red, Red Dead Redemption. I think it's better than that. I think uh, this game. This is here's where I'm gonna I'm gonna throw how how fondly I think of this game, uh, but I'm gonna throw it against you, Steve. And is this game better than Halo? Yes, this game is better than Halo. If that's the case, I think this game is better than Resident Evil. 
Sam, do you, how do you how do you feel about that? Story? I I don't think it's better than Resident Evil, um, and I'm probably saying that because like Dark Souls and those series exist too, and it's it's hard for me to like rank Bloodborne lower than those, and I think those would be higher than Resident Evil. Uh, like Resident Evil is dope. Uh, I think it's kind of like a little maybe more timeless and unique than Bloodborne. I guess time will tell on that. Um, yeah, Resident Evil is like a great game. And it was also like the true innovator. And I do agree with you. I don't know if any of the other Dark Souls besides Dark Souls 1 for me would definitely go above um, Bloodborne. But I think like Dark Souls 1 to me is like on this list is a top three game. Um, yeah. But I think... I think Bloodborne is a little bit below it. It's still like a very, very good game. But for example, like Dark Souls 1 is like that level design is like the best level design in a video game. How they've created that map and tied it all together is so fucking good. Um, it's still to this day, I've been playing three of the six games. I think that's the best level design they've I, ever done. I think Bloodborne is up there though, because there are points in Bloodborne where you come back to like, you know, parts you were in much earlier than the game, and you have no idea that it would connect. Right. Um, yeah, but it, I don't think it is as well done. I think that they do it. They do some of it for them. For, for a lot of it, it's good. But like, for example, when you get to Bloodstar Beast, you just get to the end. When you get to like um, Rom, it's just the end, and you have to backtrack. And it's yeah, like you all just these, teleport like, out. Yeah, it's all these like splinters from from the uh, the middle. I will say, getting the teleport. Like immediately, right? I think in this game was <laughs> after playing Dark Souls One. I was like, "Thank fucking god!" <laughs> yeah, I appreciate them uh, them making you run around in the beginning of Dark Souls One because the level design was so good, and it was like really making you commit to memory, the, like all the different areas and how they connect and everything. But yeah. yeah, I mean, being able to be like, "I just want to go back to this one area and check this one thing out," and you teleport straight there. That's that's nice. Um, I agree, though. I think that Dark Souls, like, and from the level design, that's that's the peak and. Those two are probably like, they're like the one and the one A of the FromSoft games, Dark Souls One and Bloodborne. Even though I love Dark Souls Three too, I think just because, you know, the the weight that those first two carry, um, and they give like their name to like the whole Soulsborne genre now too of all these games. Um, I I think I might personally prefer Bloodborne as a game. Like I think it's just a little bit more fun to me. I like the world. I think that one thing I mean, Dark Souls has this in spades, but like this thing, like you were saying, like the uh the visual storytelling of the world is just so great. Like when you get to like the school of Mensis and you're finding out about how they opened the nightmare and like the blood moon changes and the world is revealed around you and these big aliens hanging off of of like the scenery that you've been around like dozens and dozens of times up to that point, like they, they keep it more localized than like a game like um, Dark Souls three or, or Demon Souls where like takes you to all these different areas. Like you're in mm -hmm. Yarnum for the most part, but like Yarnum changes over time and they do a really, really cool job of that. Um, yeah. The resident evil question is a big question though. I, I get that one, Sam. Um, I, so I, one thing I'll say about resident evil real quick is that, even though I said I should go above Resident Evil, um, I'm thinking about it. And you guys right now are a game for a game that started a series that started in 1996. You guys are knee deep in Resident Evil 8 um, and Resident Evil 7. So that game casts a very long shadow in a way that Bloodborne does not. The legacy of Bloodborne is a little bit the legacy of like Dark Souls and Demon right. Souls before it. And like Bloodborne was just like the first time that they did something that wasn't a Souls game. And so they did something different, but it's still that Souls formula. Like everything that Bloodborne is, is like based on Demon Souls and Dark Souls before it. Um, but it has, I mean, it has like a huge fan base. It's critically acclaimed, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, I agree. I mean, Resident Evil, the original, like that, that started a whole franchise that, you know, is still around to this day and it's had its ups and downs, but like, yeah, I mean, oof. That's a that's that's a tough competition right there. I I would put it above Resident Evil now that I think about it more. Um, <laughs> it's more fun. Like at the end of the day, yeah, it's more fun. That, I, that's what I, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, and especially like GoldenEye and Legend of Zelda and Chrono Trigger and even Castlevania above it. Like, I think I prefer Bloodborne. Like, it's just so much fun. It's it's such a it's such a great game it's such a great challenge there's so much to like dig into in this Wait, world are, are you moving it up even more no but i'm saying personally but i'm just saying specifically like uh, legend of zelda and golden eye 007 i would 
I would push it up higher. Um, Resident mm-hmm. Evil's like I feel like Resident Evil should maybe be higher on this list. But that's a re-rank for, question. For me, like the absolute ceiling for this game uh, in terms of what I could be convinced on is uh, Chrono Trigger. I don't think I think like the top five that we have on this list, it, it, it will be that's like the alpha echelon to me of like the best of the best of the best that hold up and still are good and are influential and historical. Um, but I, so I could be convinced uh, to put it above legend of Zelda, but I need a good argument because that game, I, I think that game is timeless. I know some people get confused by it, but also, you know, it's got a huge, huge legacy. Um, I think it did some interesting things with how that game was designed. It's basically one of the first open world games. Um, so convince me. So you don't think it goes above Chrono Trigger? That's your and your and you want a you want a strong argument for Legend of Zelda? Is that am I hearing yeah. you right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, there's definitely Zelda in like the Dark Souls, Bloodborne DNA yeah. too. So I mean, mm-hmm. the legacy is undeniable there. I would say if you were to pick up one of those games and play them today, though, like you'd rather play Bloodborne, you know? Oh, I no, I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know, Sam. Sam, any thoughts on this, or do you do you feel it shouldn't go this high? Uh, I I think that like above Goldeneye for sure. I think the Legend of Zelda question is an interesting one, and I'm gonna dodge the question right at the <laughs> second. I I will say I love Zelda. I think I would rather play this game, and I just think it's. I mean, it, it probably picks up on the Zelda legacy as as many other games do. Um, but just like the like the fast paced like challenging gameplay, the lore. The like the visual storytelling, the aesthetic, like the um, the the connection to like the other like Souls games to just like the the replayability of this game. I I, I think this is a more fun game and a better game personally. So my vote yeah. my vote is to put it above Zelda. I'm gonna say the the argument that I say to convince other people is that there are better Zelda games um, that will go higher. <laughs> That too. So I'm okay with that pushing too. Zelda down. That too. There are better Zelda games. I feel like that argument always works with you guys. And I say it like every episode. <laughs> There's always a better, a better Zelda game. All right. We're going to have a new number five, number six then. Is that everybody's okay with that? Okay. I, I can I agree with that. with that. Cool. We have a new number six. Our first game from the 2010s in the top 10. Um, yeah. We have wow, look at number, us. One, number one, Super Mario 64. Number two is Tetris. Number three is Metal Gear Solid. Four, Castlevania Symphony Night. Five, Chrono Trigger. And now number six is Bloodborne. Congratulations to Bloodborne. And I do want to thank you. Sam, welcome to the podcast. We hope you come back at some point. Oh, yeah, I'd love to. This was great. Uh, next time, I won't eat three umbilical cords for dinner in preparation. Uh-oh. Somebody's Wait. mixing the edibles with the umbilical cords. Are you are you Similar only gonna words. are you gonna eat only one or two of the umbilical cords or just no umbilical cords? Because I want to curious. I'm curious what ending you're gonna get. <laughs> uh, none of them. I think I want to just be the next German and chill in a dream. Sounds pretty fun. <laughs> I think that's two though. I think you have to eat two to do that. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you guys. Um, next week, it's movie week. What, what movie are we watching, Steve? I think we're watching Resident Evil, aren't we? We are. Speak we of are the devil. The original Resident Evil. To celebrate Resident Evil um, here on the podcast. So stay tuned for that. But thanks, guys. Have a great night. Thank you. Thank you. See you guys. Later. Let's, let's, uh, let's go play some fucking video games. Huh?